Hi, everybody. My name is Janet L. and welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Alcoholism had robbed me and it was taking everything in my life, everything about love out of my life. The greatest thing about my recovery is not just what it has done with my family, but what I get to see happen in other people's lives because I've stayed. Alcoholics Anonymous, a program of recovery, no matter which one you find, if you work it, it will save your life and it heals families. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this show, we try to bring inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. You're not aligned with any 12-step or recovery programs, but you may hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. On today's show, Janet L. from Greenville, Pennsylvania. Before we get to the show, we'd love to get a rating or a comment from you. If you're listening on a podcast network like Apple Podcasts, for example, that gives you the ability to provide a rating or leave a comment, we'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing great this morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. So what do we got going on today? So today is March 20th, and I have my new friend Janet L here from Greenville, Pennsylvania, and she's going to share with us on today's daily reflection, which is love and tolerance. Oh, I love this one. Well, Janet, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, you both for asking me. You're welcome. Why don't you tell the folks who you are and uh, maybe what your sobriety date is? Uh, my name's Janet L. I'm from Greenville, Pennsylvania. And my sobriety date is 9-1 of 1991. Fantastic. Well, we start the show in the same way every day. We ask the guest if they would read the daily reflection for today. Would you get us started? Sure. I'd be glad to. March 20th, <clears throat> love and tolerance. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 84. I have found that I have to forgive others in all situations to maintain any real spiritual progress. The vital importance of giving of forgiving may not be obvious to me at first sight, but my studies tell me that every great spiritual teacher has insisted strongly upon it. I must forgive injuries, not just in words or as a matter of form, but in my heart. I do this not for the other person's sake, but for my own sake. Resentment, anger, or a desire to see someone punished are things that rot my soul. Such things fasten my troubles to me with chains. They tie me to other problems that have nothing to do with my original problem. That does not leave a lot for discussion, does it? <laughs> How does this resonate with you? What what comes to mind off the top of your head as you read it? Well, of course, um, you know, I did what you advised me to, to do, which is to, you know, which is what I usually do is I try to just speak straight from my heart. And so what I will say is, um, you know, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was what I call the bewildered one. Like I was just totally lost. I am amazed when people get up behind a podium and say they knew they were an alcoholic for a really long time because I was pretty much the clueless person. I knew that there was something, but I 
I couldn't really identify it. And so I want, I want to just start out by saying that for me, like I came and I came to, and I came to believe, and that took me a long period of time, like a year and four months. And, you know, whenever I was asked, you know, if I had a drink of choice or whatever, I would say, well, I had an illegal drug problem, but that I really didn't think that drinking was an issue for me. And that was just as close to anything that I could get. And so for me, you know, I had a lot of anger and a lot of tears. That's how I came here. Like I I just, my feelings were just so mismatched and mixed up and I wasn't in touch with any of them, you know, and I was crying a lot and I was angry a lot. And so therefore then alcoholism, which I know today, it was taking away from me. And that's what I was really angry about. And I know that it was taking my life. I always, when I look back, not I always, because when I came here, I was totally just lost and messed up. But when I came came to, when I came to believe, I realized that a lot of my anger uh, towards people or intolerance towards people rooted in the fact that I felt robbed. Alcoholism had robbed me. And it was taking everything in my life, everything about love out of my life. I often say that Alcoholics Anonymous was a really warm and fuzzy place for me to come to because I wasn't getting invited places. And that's the truth. People were hoping I wouldn't come around (laughs) because it wasn't good news. You know, it just wasn't. And so I guess that's how that resonates for me. Um, you know, I, I started drinking at a pretty young age, about 13 years old is a series of events in my life that I'll try to really make brief. But um, I had been what I would consider a very probably good child. And I grew up in a family that loved me. And so I had that I didn't, I wasn't from an abusive relationship family wise or anything. But what did happen to me is my mother um, got very sick with cancer. And I quit. That's alcoholism for you. Like I quit. And for me, there was a lot of things that happened because I was in the wrong places with the wrong people and things happened. And I was too young. I didn't even have names for things that were happening to me. And there was a lot of sexual abuse involved because I was going places I had no business being. And I became very confused about love and very confused about tolerance and and fitting in. Alcohol was always my solution. And I didn't know that then. But I just, I didn't have alcohol available to me all the time. But when I did, I would drink and it would always say, you're, you know, that's better. You don't need to think about that anymore. You know, whatever. I didn't have places to go to talk about those things. You know, when I got into working my steps and doing, um, you know, my forgiveness of self, that took me a while. Like I, I did those step eight, I did the list and everything and um, started working on my amends. But the, I can remember a date and time in my sobriety. And I probably had a few handful of years where I actually looked into the mirror and I saw my own face for the first time. You know, I really saw myself. I saw my eyes and I liked her. And that is because of Alcoholics Anonymous. That didn't come through anything of me. That came through this program and the power of a God of our understanding, which is what we're trying to figure out. Month three, right? Um, March, you know, has made a decision. uh, And, and, you you know, how can we be loving and tolerant? 
So that's how that journey started for me. And of course, I have um, stayed one day at a time in this program. And I have watched other people emulate love and tolerance to me. It's been the people that have walked the walk before me that have really showed me what love and tolerance is. You know, I have one lady that she's in her 90s that I just love her to death. And when I call her, her phone always says the same thing. Be kind to unkind people. They need it the most. I, I couldn't accept that at the beginning because I just didn't know how to do that. I thought, you know, we should retaliate. <laughs> you know, if you're unkind, then I, I should be, you know, that would be, you know, justifiable, I guess. But through the steps and through you know, staying here and working the steps and really working on my own defects of character and not having to be judgmental and critical and controlling and everything. I've been able to regain myself back, if that makes any sense, and how that happened. I've had some really profound spiritual experiences with that. One in particular was with my own self, where I actually have had a visual experience of holding that battered and abused person, child, baby, infant, and seeing that and being able to love her and forgive her because I held on to that for so long. I didn't realize that that because I was so young, that of course I didn't have the skills or the tools to know to do better. I didn't because I was a child. And, you know, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1991, I was in my mid-30s, I was able to start to work on that. Because of that, what I try to do today is to be the best me I can be, whatever that is. I know today, even if I make a pandemic mistake and I make them, I know that even in that, I'm a human being and I too can just forgive be tolerant of myself and loving towards myself. And then that helps me to go out and to do what it says in our program, which is to be practice our four absolutes, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, right? Which really helps us to be tolerant. It's beautiful. When you, What was life like for you early on? And, and how long did it take you to start to see some results once you got into recovery? Well, I had a long time. If you start drinking when you're 13 and you don't get into a program of recovery until you're in your mid 30s, you know, so I had a lot of chapters. And so my life, it got worse. That's what happens. And, and because I was very confused about things that had happened to me abuse wise, and I didn't have any answers for them. I'm a child of the 60s. So in the 60s, you know, there weren't There wasn't a lot of places to go for counseling. And quite often, you know, you just didn't talk about it. That's what happened. So you stuffed those events. I didn't know young what had happened. But as time went on, I was able to at least understand it in my vocabulary. You know, I used whenever I could. So what happened for me was because, to be honest, in uh, junior high school, the guys that I wanted to go to dances with or things like that were not inviting me because I had a reputation and I didn't understand the reputation because in my heart, it didn't fit. But people had talked about what, you know, they had done or whatever. So I became, you know, one of those girls. And that was just a really hard spot to be in. It was really hard. Because the guys that were wanting to take me out or do a dance or do something like that, whatever social things, 
I didn't really want to be with. And the ones that I did, they didn't want to, because of course I had this reputation. So I found a solution as we always do, right? We're alcoholics. So my solution was to go out with a man that was much older than me. He was a Vietnam veteran. He became my higher power. And through that, he had all of the other substances and things that I came to like. And the reason that was is because I'm a puke drinker. And so that's not very becoming and it gets to be old fast, right? <laughs> so, so I started drinking, I ended drinking, but I tell everybody that in the middle, you know, I, I did, I call it the galloping gourmet of, of use. Like I was always trying to find a recipe. So, you know, two of these, one of those, a half a dozen of that, you know, we'll see if that works, you know, whatever. It was just the way my life went. And when I graduated from high school, even though I had high honors in high school, because that was manipulation, I was manipulating my parents, I hid behind all that. And so when I came to graduate, I didn't really have any plans, but I still was with this guy that was way too old for me. But I ended up marrying him because I had no other plan. And that's alcoholism for you because I didn't plan on getting married. I didn't even believe in it as an establishment, to be honest, at the time. And so that marriage ended up getting extremely violent and he ended up developing quite a severe mental disease that I blamed myself for because I didn't know I was a child. I was in my early 20s and I was married to someone that was suffering with schizophrenia and I didn't know it. I thought it was things I had done and I bared the guilt, the shame and the remorse of all of that. And I became extremely bewildered and I hid from my family and it got really ugly and my life was in danger. And, um, you know, it got really dark and really bad. Then, of course, you know... As God would have it, he started to show up and intervene in my life. That man was institutionalized a few times, and eventually, through circumstances, I um, made a decision not of my own making. It was God, really. And I left. I wasn't able or physically able, physically, spiritually, or mentally able to care myself, but I left. (laughs) And that I know that probably saved my life. And so, I'd like to say I came to Alcoholics Anonymous or any program of recovery at that time, but the honest truth is, is I did not. I started to go back towards alcohol and I would start to think things like, well, I don't know why people go home after work. Why don't they just go to the bar? I became a bar drinker and I wasn't a bar drinker. I was a kept and protected woman. So then I met the man that I'm married with today through time. We started our life together and through that, I was, I experienced dry periods of trying to have a life, (laughs) but things would happen. Like I'm a perfect, I'm the perfect date. You know, you can take me out for a beer to a bar on a Friday night and a little music. And when you turn around, I'm gone. That's what happens to me. And that, you know, I don't know why we're still together, except for that it was really meant to be divinely. Eventually, we did get married and we started our family. And I would have thoughts of um, what am I going to do when these kids grow up? How am I going to stay at home in this bed at night? I would have those thoughts because alcoholism was still there untreated because I couldn't sleep at night. I started to hide lying underneath the kitchen sink in a house where it was okay to drink, (laughs) you know, but I'm an alcoholic. So, you know, I was hiding what I was doing it and using it to sleep. And eventually, of course, it did, 
it, it, it did it to me instead of for me. It always does it to me, you know, and I started drinking more and not sleeping. And then eventually the problems in my current marriage started to get bigger and bigger because it was all him, you know, he couldn't do anything right. No one could do anything right. And that wasn't what, that was why I wasn't getting involved getting invited anywhere, which I mentioned to you earlier was because people were sick and tired of me because of the control of the person that is not drinking. Like I never want to go back to feeling what it felt like to not drink and not have a program of recovery. That was so painful. And that is how I got to AA because my marriage got into a terrible jackpot and a girl that I used to drink with made an amends to me after being sober five years, she came to me and she made an amends. And that was God working in my life because I started to look at her and compare. And on the outside, everything compared. She was married. I was married. She had a car, I had a car, she had kids, I had a kid, she had a house, I had a house. But she seemed to have a happiness that I was unable to grasp. One morning, she called me and I was in a terrible place in my life in 1991. And she's, you know, she gave me that cheery AA hello greeting if you've ever gotten it, which is like, hi, Jan, how are you on the phone? And I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. And, you know, I just did that vomit, you know, he, he, he and they, they, they and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of it, when I finally took a breath, she said, I don't know what to tell you, Jan, but please don't drink because I love you. And that was my bottom right there. That is my last, you know, drinking episode. And she showed up later that day at my front door with each day, a new beginning daily reflection book for women and a little bouquet of flowers out of her garden. And she said, I don't want to know, don't know what to tell you, Jan, but please don't drink because I love you. And I didn't know I was going to quit drinking. And I didn't even know drinking was what was the problem because I thought I had an illegal problem, not a drinking problem. But, you know, as um, time went forward, she started to invite me places in Alcoholics Anonymous because I wasn't drinking. I told you it took one year and four months, you know, for me to come to. So I did what they say. I had to come. I had to come too. And then I had to come to believe. And it took time. And time takes time. And it just, you know, you just get here when you get here. You show up as you are. And in time, God heals your life. Then you can at least, you know, you have a story. Yeah, I have a story to tell people, you know, and I've been here for a really long time, one day at a time. But for me, the greatest thing about my recovery is not just what it has done with my family, but what I get to see happen in other people's lives because I've stayed. And I've seen the miracle over and over again. Alcoholics Anonymous, in my opinion, is the greatest movement that ever has happened on the face of the earth to this point in time because it heals, it saves lives, and it heals families. Alcoholics Anonymous, a program of recovery, no matter which one you find, if you work it, it will save your life and it heals families. And what a great thing that I'm involved in movement of all the movements I've ever had and rallied. The, the one that I will say is, is that I love love and this is where it happens and it happened for me and it can happen for anybody. It can. 
such a moving story, Janet. I mean, just a lot of a lot of stuff in back there that happened to you when you were so young. And I'm wondering, after all this time in recovery, and have you found full forgiveness for the yes. people that abused you and yes. the cancer that yes. descended upon your family? And you have yes, I was able to come to that spiritual awakening on purity that I did that I explained through a lot of work, individual work, step work, as time went on, I went back and I did, you know, like my sexual relationships, my family relationships, a lot of those things over and over again, because I wanted to feel better. And, you know, I got, I started to get addicted to the good feeling of working the steps. I want to say that because I would know if I would go back and do the steps, even though it would be a lot of work. Uh, a lot of writing and a lot of reading and all that stuff that we do and going out and presenting ourselves to others and, you know, telling them where we're at and, you know, working that step eight and nine on it. You know, I always say that if I, I grew the thickness of a piece of paper, it was all worth it. And I will tell you that I've come face to face with some of those people in my recovery and um, a couple, I will just say one of them who I didn't think I would ever be able to do, he actually, people would come to me and tell me how terrible his life was that didn't have any idea of our connection. And I was able to see that he was a very tortured and not well man. And I was able to love him and forgive him. And he passed away very young. And then another one, another one of them, uh, <clears throat> he, I almost ran into him face to face in a little convenience store. And I was prepared for what, how God would unroll the events. I didn't try to take the bull by the horns and make them happen, but I let it unroll in God's time. And as that happened, I said to him, oh, I apologize. I'm so sorry. You see, he didn't know what I was apologizing for or what I'm so sorry for, but I do. I was apologizing to heal myself so that I could let that go. It did beautifully. Is there anything you'd like the audience to know before we begin to wrap? I really think that probably what I took away from this reading was, and we, we talked about it early on, was it's really you know, forgiving and, and learning how to be love and tolerant. It's a spiritual experience. You know, you practice it, right? We practice things we learn from other people. They show us the way and we practice the disciplines and the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever recovery program. I, I did go to, you know, I, I've been to other recovery programs early on, but this is where I fit for me. This was where I fit. fit. And I just think that, you know, being patient with yourself and giving yourself time and being not afraid, um, trusting God, you know, to allow you to progress in your journey, not drinking that that's just one little piece of what is available in your recovery or not using any sort of substances anymore. This program is very deep and wide. And for me, it continues. It does continue. And I totally am in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, 
I'm not, and I, I don't want to say that I'm always tolerant. So we'll wrap up with that because, you know, I'm a human being. So some days, you know, I'm not as unselfish as I want to be. And, you know, I have my, my moments, but today what I do with those is I embrace them. And I realize that it's just another way for God to show me something about myself, my life, um, whether it's a really bad, you know, event, or, you know, it's a really great and loving event. I don't expect myself to live, you know, like divine all the time. I allow myself to just be the best me that I can be. So I guess that's it. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, Janet, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Greatly appreciate you being here. Thank you, Janet. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Truly. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Janet for joining us today. And thanks to you, the listeners. If you want to find us online, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast, all one word. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at daily reflector. You can read about recovery on our blog at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.